You know, the Bible talks a lot about love in many places. In fact, in 1 John, we're going to read a little bit of scripture there in just a moment. But in 1 John, it says that God is love. I mean, that's like how he's defined uh, from inside out, that God is love. And the Bible tells us that this right here, it's a love story. It is about God creating man and woman, right? Adam and Eve. And he had this relationship with them that was so unique. I mean, just a closeness and a bond and um, just love. I mean, it was defined by love. He walked with them like every day. And he treated them like children. And he created a paradise and said that this is for you. I made this for you. And it was like the first gift, right, that God gave to man is this paradise. But then sin came into the world. And we know how this took place, right? And when sin came into the world, all of a sudden it just kind of broke things apart. Everything just went bad. It, it separated him from them from God because God is holy. He is love, but he is also holy. And all of a sudden, sin came into the world and it separated them. But God did not turn his back on mankind. And it's because God is love. He didn't turn his back on mankind. And, and so what he did was he, he devised a way to reinstate that union once again because of his love. And so through generation after generation after generation, this Bible shows us how God created a plan. And he made a covenant with man, you know, so that through that covenant, he could reunite himself with us again, you know, his created people. And so that way was through the promised Messiah. And so that's why for a long, long time, people were looking for this Messiah, this, this person who is going to somehow reinstate them back into a relationship with God. And you know what it's like to be separated from God. You felt it. I felt it. And so they longed for this way of being made right with God again and being able to walk with God again and to have this relationship. And so God made a plan and he promised the Messiah, and the Messiah came. His name was Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, right? This relationship with God is a relationship of love, is what it is. And so we should feel love. When we come into this room, we should feel love. We should feel that, that God is showing favor upon us, like he cares about us, and he wants to have this relationship with us. And so he reunited it. And so John, the apostle, describes this love of God in the fourth chapter. And I want to read this to you. So in the fourth chapter, 1 John 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God. Because why? Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we have abided in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love of God that has come for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Isn't that amazing words? I mean, it just really speaks a lot to us today, doesn't it? You know, John tells us that God is love. He, God is personified in love. It is his nature. It is every bit the core of his being is to love us. He created us so that he could exercise this love. And that's what he did. And he loved us so much that he fixed our issue that we had with sin. So when we come to Jesus, and when we give our lives to Jesus, and we're baptized into Jesus, because being baptized into Jesus means that we are connected with what he did, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We're connected with that salvation. And and we are in a covenant with God. And when we are in a covenant with God, then we are reunited with God again. And that was God's plan is for us to be reunited in this love. So we are, we are fulfilled in love, and we are freed then to love like God loves. And that's what John was talking about. You can count on God's love. And that's one of the things that's really cool about today, is that it reminds us that we can count on God's love. He sent Jesus into the world to fix our sin problem because of love. And he did that because he promised it thousands of years before Jesus came. And he did that because we can count on his love. He is always going to be defined as love. And he's always going to be faithful in that love. It's always going to be. Always going to be there for us. And so here's the one point. All this leads to just one point today, and that is this. Love defines, and it propels us. It it defines who we are, this love. We are Christians. We are rescued through Jesus. We are part of the covenant that God made with Abraham. It defines us, and it propels us. It moves us to move, you know, and to do something. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ controls us. The NIV says compels us. But it controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, for their sake, died and was raised. It's a privilege, isn't it, to be here? I mean, to give God glory and to give God thanks and to recognize him in this way. And it compels us. You were compelled to be here. Maybe you're forced. I don't know. 
Uh, but for most of us, I would say that we're compelled by the love of God to show up and to give him honor in this way because we know that he has chosen to love us. We've been looking at different people in the nativity scene, you know, the nativity story. And we looked at the experience of, you know, several individuals. But today I want us to look at it just a little different and super quick, right? I just want to, I want us to notice how God just brought all this together, like orchestrated this whole thing of Jesus coming into this world. And he does it by including a whole bunch of different lifestyles, and different ages and different situations. And, and I think it's really noteworthy to see. And so I just want to just start from the beginning and just kind of walk through what we've already been walking through as we discover Christmas at Westside, right? And it starts with Zachariah and Elizabeth. That's not where we started, but that's where it, the story starts. is Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph. And so you have the old couple and the young couple. You see the contrast? And it's really deeper than that even because the old couple represents the old covenant. It represents the, the law, right? Because they were living still in the old covenant, in the Old Testament, in the, in the law. And this old couple represents that. And then you have this new couple, Mary and Joseph, and they represent the new that is coming. The, you know, the, 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 the Messiah has arrived through them. And it's kind of a neat thought, the way that God has orchestrated that. And then you have the shepherds. Remember, we got to meet the shepherds and the angels. And just think about that for a second, the contrast. You have the people of the earth, the shepherds, and they couldn't be any more earthier, right, of the earth. And then you have the angels who are from heaven coming down and the contrast between those two is just pretty amazing. And so you, just, you have the physical and the spiritual coming together for this announcement and for this gathering. And so they encourage you know, these, these people of the earth to come to the stable and to see what God has done. And the angels are there. And so heaven and earth coming together. And then last we looked at Simeon. Actually, that's where we started. But in the story, the order of the story, we see Simeon and Anna. And I just love this story. You know, everyday people just longing for God to just show up in their lives in a, in a, in a real way, you know, and to not be overlooked. And we can see God communicating to us in all of the stories that are in the Christmas story, but I don't know that I feel, I feel especially drawn to this story of Simeon and Anna. And I think it's because they're just everyday people longing for God to just show up in their everyday lives in a big way. And isn't that us, right? And he does, he shows up in such a big way. And we see them showing up not only like God's showing up for them, but we also see how God used Simeon and Anna, everyday people, to deliver a really important message, right, about Jesus. And if you could just think about what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph and everything that they had gone through to get to the temple with this young child, right? 
I mean, they've been pretty much rejected by their family. Hopefully, some of that's been reinstated by this time. We really don't know. But we know that that would have been a terrifying thing for a a young uh, woman who was betrothed to a man getting pregnant and trying to explain, I didn't do anything wrong. And how that would have just been a huge black eye, right? And Joseph marrying her even though she was pregnant not with his child. And everything about that. And just also, you know, the, the, the angel telling him to move to this place and to go to this place and just... And how, when they got to that temple, how encouraged they would have been by these common people coming up to them and just sharing just a simple, simple message that Jesus is here and how they would have been encouraged by that and needed encouraging words by that, that Jesus has arrived. So today is a very important day. It's a special day. It's Christmas. And we know that, like, Christmas landing on Sunday morning of all times. It doesn't happen very often. I think every seven years or six maybe because of leap year. I don't know exactly how that works. But, but I know it doesn't come around very often. But this day is so busy and crammed with stuff, is it not? Super important stuff. You know, family stuff. Gathering and waking up and opening gifts and trying to go through our traditions that we have established it's tough, and it's real easy for us just to kind of slide Jesus aside, and we'll just try to fit him in where we can squeeze him in to a day like this. But really, this is his day. It's not our day, right? And just to try to figure out how to take this special day and to really make him like the centerpiece of the day is a real challenge. And we have so many really important things to do. But you are here. And God has a special mission for us to do. Like something physical for us to do. And here's what we're going to do. We are going to get up here in just a moment. And we're going to get our bread. And we're going to eat that bread that represents the the body of Jesus. And we're going to take that cup of juice and we're going to drink that juice that represents the blood of Jesus. And we're going to have a very special communion time, at the time of just connecting with what Jesus has done and fulfilled for us. He has brought us back to God because of God's love and promise to fulfill this. And then we are going to dismiss, and we're going to go back into this little room, and we, got, we brought some offerings to the Lord. It's in the form of cookies and candy and, you know, all kinds of snack things, but they are our offerings today. And what we're going to do is we're going to put these little offerings in these little bags, and we have a little card right here that Andrew made for, for us yesterday. And we're going to staple that to our little baggies, and then we're going to go deliver them. And we're just going to deliver them because we don't want people to miss Jesus and that this is his day. 
And we know that there are people in our community either that don't have, you know, family gatherings, and they might just feel a little discouraged. We know that there's people in our, our community that had to work today, like the firemen, firefighters and the, some of the police department people, some of the people maybe at the hospital, and we want them to know about this simple little message because we are just common people. And that's what I love about Simeon and Anna is that God didn't choose the priest or the, the magi or, you know, the preacher to deliver this. He just chose common people to deliver such a simple message that Jesus has arrived. And that's what we get to do today. Simple message. Jesus is here. And then we will dismiss, we will go in peace, and we will have a blessing because we honored God in this way of just spreading and reminding people that Jesus is here. And we will be filled with hope and joy and all of everything that we have been trying to discover at Westside is all going to come together. Because we've talked about hope, and we've talked about peace, and we've talked about joy. And when we share the love of Jesus, then all of these things just all come together in unison. So, what I'd like for us to do is I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to have everybody come up. You, you can get your communion here, or you can get it back there at the back table. And then I just want us to kind of gather around. You can go back to your seat if you prefer. I know with the little ones, you just have to decide how you can handle this. But I don't want you to partake of the communion. I want us to do this together. If for some reason with the little ones, it's just easier for you to get that taken care of, then that's completely fine. But, but if you just take it and, and then stand around here or go back to your seat if you need to sit down or whatever you want to do. And then when everybody gets their cup, uh, we are going to partake of this together. And then we will just instantly go back and, and get our gifts wrapped, and you guys will be off on your way, delivering a little uh, package somewhere if you would choose to do so, and then we will go in peace, okay? So would you stand, and I will pray. Father God, thank you so much for Jesus He is the reason that we are here. And we know that the reason that he is here is because you have orchestrated the whole thing. We know, Father, that you love us. And that's why you sent Jesus. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And so, Father, we feel your love here in the midst of us. And as we partake of this bread and this juice that represents Jesus' body and his blood that he shed for us, we feel the love of you through that. We feel the love of Jesus because of what he was willing to do to make us right with you. We thank you so much, Father, for just this opportunity to love you back in a very small way. And we pray, Father, that what we do here as a result of this love, how it compels us to want to just share this simple message with just someone to remind them just simply that Jesus is here. He has come. So, Father, we just pray that you give us your presence as we enter into this communion time.
May we feel the power of the communion of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.